What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Dan Malin, James Grande. We are here for the two-minute drill, recapping week eight of the fantasy football season. Uh, Grande, how was week eight for you, whether season-long, DFS, World Series? I don't know. Um, So I didn't – I actually did not play DFS this weekend. I've been in what? full – well, I had the Sunday NBA playbook. So I was very – listen, it's NBA – like as much as it is football season for me – when it's it's, more Sunday, it's it's Sunday playbook NBA season for me. When I when I have a Sunday playbook, like that's really where my focus was. I don't want to just throw throw money away. Um, my season long teams were great. <laughs> to, truthfully, they they were great. I have uh, um, who did I have? Uh, I don't know who I have, but they did all they all did well. So uh, regardless, I have Michael Pittman everywhere. So like Michael Pittman was nice. great. Um, he was one of my higher rostered players and season long in best ball everything. So. Uh, pretty good week eight in general. Uh, we are currently recording during my New York football Giants uh, massacre of the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, they just massacre, picked off Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, as a massacre, yeah. I mean, that is as good as it's going to get tonight. They're picking off Patrick <laughs> Mahomes in the first drive. So, uh, Look, so if far. If they can rip off an eight-minute drive right here in the first quarter, that's how you beat the Chiefs. You just got to keep Mahomes off the field. Correct. Well, um, even when he's on the field, he's throwing picks, Dan, so I don't know. Oh. Dan, and Daniel Jones, great. Thank you, Daniel Jones. <laughs> Thank you. Keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. That's what they said, right? That's what they that's what they say. Fade the DSTs in this matchup just because the over under is fifty two and oh boy. Anyway, uh, so is it safe to say Michael Pittman is your fantasy football winner for you in week eight? Um, he's not, and he he could be. Uh, but I just I'm going Rams offense in general. I, I just want to give a shout out to the Rams offense. Matt Stafford third straight top six finish barring. Monday Night Football, of course, because we are recording. Uh, he is now QB3. Daryl Henderson, two back top five finishes in the last three weeks. He is now RB11. Cooper Cup is obviously the wide receiver one. Cooper Cup is having an all-time season. Anyone that wants to sell Cooper Cup is out of their mind. Um, and Robert Woods is now suddenly, after this terrible start by Robert Woods, wide receiver 18. So uh, shout out the Rams offense just continuously pouring it on um, each and every week. They are my winner because whoever owns them uh, is probably having a pretty good fantasy season. Uh, my fantasy football winner this week was A.J. Brown. I uh, thought the price was super nice on DraftKings at 6900 this weekend. Uh, he helped me win two of my season-long leagues, and he was in my cash lineup at only like 12 to 15 ownership. Um, across like most of my cash contests in the playbook, John had it mostly as a GPP play. I really like the price and the matchup and just the game narrative form. Um, <clears throat> so I had, I rarely stack or even game stack in my cash lineup, but you know, I had Carson Wentz, Michael Pittman and AJ Brown in my cash line. That was, I was feeling really good about that, uh, by halftime. Um, so definitely Brown, Wentz, Pittman, my winners this week. Who's your loser? My loser is Alvin Kamara. And not for a sense that he had a bad game because he didn't have a bad game, but everything that we liked about Alvin Kamara is now gone. Uh, we like the deployment in the receiving game. The recent weeks, probably not going to happen with Taysom Hill under, under center. We like the fact that he no longer have really had a backup. They went and traded for Mark Ingram. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mark Ingram not only was traded for, played 29% of the snaps his first yeah. In the in like the 
four days he was there, he then turned around and played. And obviously familiarity with the offense, obviously. Um, but still, four four days of being there, he placed 29% of the snaps. Um, and only once last year did Alvin Kamara have more than three targets during Taysom Hill's fourth start. So um, I am sorry, Dan. Oh, is, this is going to be a tough one. Um, Alvin <laughs> Alvin Kamara is my loser this weekend. Um, even though he had a good game in week eight, overall, in the grand scheme of things, I think he's a big loser, at least for his fantasy owners. Uh, to give some people context, in my big money league, I need Tyreek Hill to not do well, and he's already got like six, five 14, or six catches. Yeah, four, 14 fan, it would be approximately 14 fantasy. <clears throat> All right. Well, we're moving on to week nine. Uh, my fantasy football loser, aside from me, uh, is Kyle Pitts. Uh, put me in a bit of a predicament in my big money league, but I'm I'm gonna lose. This is what we're referencing right now. Uh, you know, we kind of felt we uh, we you know we had the you know the blanket pulled over our eyes a little bit, and, and Kyle Pitts coming off of two great games against very poor defenses uh, was a little bit exposed. Uh, he actually dropped a pass this week, which I never thought we'd see. Um, <laughs> it didn't help that Calvin Ridley was out, but he's dealing with some mental health issues, so obviously the best to him. Uh, but clearly, Kyle Pitts is is still – he could still struggle uh, with defenses keying in on him. Um, so he is my loser this week. I didn't play him in DFS, luckily, but he did cost me a couple season-long leagues. But let's get to some big news. Derrick Henry has a foot injury. Now, initial reports were saying that he would be done for the year. It sounds like he's mostly going to be done for the fantasy football season. There's a long-shot chance that he could be back in time for the fantasy football playoffs. I'm not – thinking that's going to be the case. Um, but if Tennessee does make the actual playoffs, he could return in January. Uh, Tennessee went out and signed Adrian Peterson at the ripe age of 36 years old. <laughs> he was decent last year. Um, didn't get a ton of workload, but, you know, at his age, nobody really wants to rely on him as a true RB1. Um, now, do you want – is AJ, do you think Adrian Peterson is the running back to grab? I mean, he's virtually available everywhere, and he could be getting 12 to 15 carries going forward. I mean, running back is so depleted. We know how reliant this offense is on the run. Who they have in the room is not the answer, at least prior to the Adrian Peterson signing, right? And Adrian Peterson may or may not be the answer. But, I mean, McNichols hasn't had more than two carries in a game. Is that a product of Derrick Henry? Possibly. And Makai Sargent. Who is Makai Sargent? Like, he <laughs> has two carries this year. He's a special teamer. He was undrafted. And for all those that think he's going to be the next James Robinson, let's pump the brakes, right? We haven't even – everyone wants to be so contrarian when it comes to picking people up. And right now, right in front of us, as much as we hate it and as much as we don't think a 36-year-old running back will ever do anything in the NFL, a 35-year-old running back had seven touchdowns last year. Um, in 10 starts, 16 games, seven touchdowns. So I do think that there is some merit to wanting Adrian Peterson. Now, could they go and make a trade? The deadline's Tuesday, right? So mm -hmm. could they go out and acquire somebody? Sure. As of today, Dan, as of recording, Adrian Peterson's the guy, whether we like it or not, in my opinion, and Jeremy McNichols is going to get the, the passing work like he's been doing all year. I mean, he has a game with 12 targets. So, you know, I think there's merit for both. But while their roster is constructed the way it is and while they haven't made another trade, 
I do think there is some validity to add, adding Adrian Peterson. The nice thing about the trade deadline this year is that it is before waivers. So right. <clears throat> once the deadline passes, if the Titans don't do anything, we do know that Adrian Peterson is the guy to grab. Um, what kind of production can we expect out of Tennessee now? Do we maybe see Ryan Tannehill run it a little bit more? We saw him do that last year and a couple of years ago when he first went to Tennessee. Does this mean more passing volume for A.J. Brown and Julio Jones? I mean, the Titans, when they get Adrian Brown, Adrian Brown, A.J. Brown, when they get him going, uh, as we've seen in the last few games, like the, the offense clicks and they move efficiently. You know, why don't they just like get get the passing game going more involved? Like, you know, your bell cow running back that you're feeding 25, 35, 30 times goes down and you have you have a Cadillac in your receiving core. Like use him more. Yeah, I mean. You know, Cadillac, maybe a little outdated there, Dan. Maybe, like, go with, like, a Maserati. Maybe go with, like, you know, come on. Just put some respect on A.J. Brown's name. Don't be calling him a Cadillac. Unless you, like, came out and said Escalade, I'd respect it. But you just went Cadillac. It could be, like, the most busted Cadillac you've ever seen. Put some respect on A.J. Brown's <laughs> my, my name. My deepest apologies. <laughs> Don't apologize to me. Apologize the wrong to automobile analogy. Yeah, or apologize to A.J. Brown. Um... <laughs> Now look, I think there's a reason why they haven't thrown. They have had Derrick Henry. They've had a, a force that has never been injured, has never even like had a, like a cut. You know, have you ever looked at Derrick Henry and been like, "Wow, he has a cut on his arm." Like that probably we didn't know he was mortal until he got injured and then still ran the ball 28 times with a, with the injury. So, um, look, Tannehill threw. 588 times, 590 times, 586 times in three straight years in Miami. So it's not like he can't do it. And those years were fairly decent in Miami. I mean, 24, 27, 24 touchdowns. So, you know, I don't think, I think we're going to see schematically things change. And I do think AJ Brown wide receiver one season is, is in full effect. And I do think that we're going to see more of the 10 for 155 and one scores than we were or like than we were in the lines that we were getting earlier in the year. I, I think AJ Brown is is poised to finish a top five receiver for the rest of the season. What do we do with Derrick Henry in dynasty formats? He turns 28 years old in January. He's coming off back to back seasons with 300 plus carries, and he was well on pace for 400 carries this season. You know, I understand that in dynasty formats, you know it's it's mostly just about assessing your own team and, and where you stand in the league. You know, if, if you're not in a position to win, you know, possibly it is a good opportunity to sell him uh, to a team that does look like they could win for the next few years and just collect as many draft picks as possible. But like overall, what do you, what do you think his trade value still is in dynasty? I mean, this injury isn't going to be like the end all for. It's not an ACL. Right. It's not the end all for Derrick Henry's career. And before this, there was no signs of slowing down. I think that's the key, right? There was zero. He was getting better with age. And we point to like, you know, he didn't get a lot of carries in the beginning of his year. So he's or beginning of his career, rather, like he's a younger 28. So I think there's plenty of dynasty value. I think this is a guy that, you know, is one of those freakish athletes that we don't generally see running backs play into their thirties and be effective. But I think Derrick Henry is going to be one of those guys um, because like you mentioned, it's not an ACL. It's not a Achilles. It's not one of those injuries that you just know, like, damn, he tore his Achilles. Damn. He tore his ACL like for a 20 year, 28 year old running back. It's cooked. So I think there's plenty of value in dynasty. If you're a, if you're a team with a couple pieces away, 
maybe Derrick Henry's a buy opportunity. If you're a team that is really already out of the fold and you have Derrick Henry, go out and sell as, and get as much back as possible. But like, I still think there's plenty of value for the next three, two, three, four years for Derrick Henry, um, depending on where your team stands and how good you're going to be for the next couple of years. Um, I think there's a plenty of buy opportunity. And I think if you're in a, in a, in a spot where you need to upgrade elsewhere, I think it's a perfect selling opportunity. Uh, Von Miller was traded to the Denver Broncos. We don't talk okay. defense on this podcast all that often, but I think this this uh, merits some discussion. Uh, Miller traded by Denver to Los Angeles. Uh, the Ram, uh, the Broncos get a second and a third round pick. I don't think the Rams have had a first round pick in like five <laughs> or six drafts. It's insane how little they value draft capital. Uh, in the upcoming draft, they only have a third, a fifth, and two sevenths. So do, do your best, Sean McVay. Uh, they're all <laughs> in to win the Super Bowl. Um, right. A few things to take away from this, but do you think the Broncos are sellers at the trade deadline, and could we possibly see Melvin Gordon on the move? I don't think so because we just we just typically don't see a lot of activity at the NFL trade deadline. Um, I know a lot of people picked up Marlon Mack with the hopes that he could get dealt. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but do you think Melvin Gordon is on the move, and do we possibly see the Broncos move anybody else? Um, I think it's interesting. I don't think Matt gets moved. They waived Jordan Wilkins today. So, or yesterday, one of these two days, they, they waived Jordan Wilkins. So they need the depth, I think, because they're not going to trust Naeem Hines to take mm-hmm. a full workload if Jonathan Taylor were to get hurt. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I like, as much as I want it to happen for one, for Javante Williams mm-hmm. and two, for, you know, if he ended up in a, in a situation, Melvin Gordon, if he ended up in a situation where, you know, like a Tennessee, right? Where you you can point to him being like, okay, maybe Adrian Peterson vultures a few goal end carries, but Melvin Gordon for the most part is would be the guy there. So um I don't think it's gonna happen. You know, I don't think Jordan Wilkins is the best, but like someone like you could just pick someone up like that off your waiver wire instead of having to give up draft capital. So I do think Melvin Gordon is gonna stay put. NFL trade deadlines always the worst. The Von Miller thing is going to probably be the most exciting thing we see. Um, and, yeah, I think the, the Rams are just – wasn't their first pick this year, 2-2 Atwell? Wasn't that their, like, first draft pick of the year? This Wasn't it, like, a fourth-round pick? They, I they, think so. It may they have took been. Atwell, like, okay. <clears throat> I mean, they're obviously all in. Um, very good team. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people are getting moved this deadline, and I don't think Melvin Gordon's one of them. Uh, James Winston tore his ACL. Uh, a lot to talk about here. Um, what obviously, I mean, where do we start? All right, what does this mean for the pass catchers in New Orleans as well as Alvin Kamara? Taysom Hill is taking over. Um, I think in four starts last year for Hill, we saw Kamara have zero, one, two, and seven receptions, yep. um, Correct. sporadically in four different games, but obviously, this is a downgrade for almost everybody in that offense, especially if Taysom Hill is going to be vulturing touchdowns. Um, are you panicking if you're owning any Saints players? Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned it in the cell, Tom. I am panicking a little bit with Kamara because we saw more of the Taysom Hill that didn't look his way than we did the Taysom Hill that was featuring him. So I am slightly worried with Kamara. I am 100% worried with everybody else. Um, you know, when Michael Thomas returns, he is the only pass catcher in that offense that we could trust the only one there's not even a chance um and do we even have official word on when michael thomas is going to return is that i don't think so only because it's still so early in the week like teams aren't going to be practicing until wednesday 
Well, if if and when he does, uh, I, I I think he has. So I think he was eligible to come off following week seven. So he has two weeks to go. I think Is he has what? two weeks left to come off, or he's done for the year. Okay. Um, interesting. Well, regardless, when he does, if he does, if and when he does, everyone else is if Taysom Hill. Like if Trevor Simeon is the quarterback, do you feel better? Like if Trevor Simeon's the quarterback, quarterback, I feel better about the receivers slightly. If Taysom Hill is the quarterback, he, so it's weird because Taysom Hill is the only quarterback I'd want of the two on my fantasy team. But Trevor Simeon, I feel like is better for the pass catchers. Does that make sense? Like would that no, make sense? Yeah, it does. It That makes sense. So that's how I view it, uh, but I'm definitely worried about Kamara on on the whole front here. Uh, the Saints are five and two. Defense is pretty good. The offensive line, when healthy, is one of the best in the league. Right. Do you think Sean Payton may have sent Drew Brees one of those uh, middle of the night you up texts? <laughs> uh, and Drew Brees sent him his contract from uh, <laughs> and said, "No, I'm not sorry." He he actually sent it the next morning. He, it wasn't the the you up at night. It was he sent it the next morning. Like, nah, sorry. Here's my here's my new deal, and uh, Sean hasn't. Sean still hasn't answered back. Uh, this next segment is called "I Hate the Eagles." The Eagles put up 44 <laughs> points on Sunday. Devonte Smith somehow finished with two and a half points in PPR formats. I think uh, Jalen Hurts. I don't know how many points he had, but I know the stat line was something like 100 passing yards, and luckily he had 70, 70 rushing, rushing yards. yards yep. Uh, so that's, what, 11 points? Uh, Kenneth Gainwell was nowhere to be found for what seemed like the first half, and he somehow finished with double-digit carries, but he didn't do much with them. Uh, Jordan Howard and Boston Scott scored twice. I think the defense <laughs> scored twice as well. I mean, if you just looked at the score and saw the Eagles put up 44 points, you're thinking, oh, man, Smith, Hurts, Gainwell, Goddard, they almost have had huge days. And they all, like, this was this was all, like, defense and, and two running backs that nobody probably started. So are the is the Eagles backfield basically the new 49ers backfield or the new Patriots backfield where we don't know who is who to trust week in and week out? I mean, could we just say that about their backfield to begin with? Even when Miles Sanders was healthy? Yeah, because they weren't Miles like, Sanders then. I mean, I don't think Sanders is is a top 12 running back, but I'm still stunned that he had he came on strong, and I know like he's not the guy that this coaching regime took. You know, he he is he's just not their guy. Like they, clearly, they they don't like him. I still think he should have been used more ahead of the right. injury, but uh, clearly they feel differently. And but like they, it looked like they wanted to get Ken, Kenneth Gainwell going for even when they were like not using Sanders, and then here they have the opportunity to do so, and they go with Jordan Howard. And Boston Scott, just two guys that were not on my radar at all. I, I just don't know what to do. It's incredibly frustrating with this team. Um, so honestly, I think the Gainwell situation is obviously tough, but at the end of the day, and I, I put this in in the recaps today, um, that the game it was very game script dependent for, for Jordan Howard. I definitely think Jordan Howard is gonna vulture touchdowns. I, I don't I do think that. But when they're not up 44 and generally are trailing, right? Because we're, I mean, more often than not, Philly is going to be trailing. They're a, they are a bad team. They just ran into a worse team. Yep. Um, like, like here's their next games, okay? They're playing, the, they're the Chargers, the Broncos, in Denver, Saints. Those are the next three games. 
All three games, very losable, very easy chance they could be trailing. That's Kenneth Gainwell's script through and through. Um, Boston Scott's still not involved in the passing game on Sunday. Kind and I know of surprising. They, which is, Although which they, is didn't, they didn't really need to pass a They lot, didn't need so. to pass, and that's correct. Um, but he hasn't been involved. It's been Gainwell in the passing game all year, right? So I think there is value a little bit. I guess it depends on how long Miles Sanders is. I mean, he's on IR. We'll see how long he he doesn't play. Um, I, I still think there's PPR value for Gainwell uh, in specific game scripts. I think Jordan Howard is going to vulture touchdowns, and I think Boston Scott is kind of the guy that's like, what do I do with? I, I think that two guys have definitive roles, and Boston Scott, anything could happen. I, I'm not totally sure what to make of him, um, but I do know – Gainwell and PPR, if you're really desperate for touchdowns, Jordan Howard, and then, you know, I assume Boston Scott's going to lead the backfield and carries on a, until Miles, Miles Sanders is back. All right, time for Believe It or Not, you can take the wheel and drive. Okay, Dan. Well, <laughs> we know Calvin Ridley is out uh, for the foreseeable future due to his mental health, and we hope he, we wish him nothing but the best. Um, it's nice to see him taking the time away from football, you know, to get right. Um, but listen, we saw the Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts flop. And we saw the Falcons offense, for the most part, flop. Except, Dan, one name. Do you know who that name is? It's not Russell Gage. It is. <laughs> I should have asked a Russell Gage question. That would have been better. I put up a donut. Cordero Patterson. Oh, yeah. Once again, saves the day. Currently listed as RB8. We don't know how long Calvin Ridley's out for. We don't know how good the Falcons offense is going to be. We don't know the deployment they're going to use Mike Davis. Is Cordero Patterson a top, I want to say RB1, is he a top eight running back the rest of the year? Uh, I wish you had said top 10 or top 12. I, I'm going to just put him directly at where he's listed. <clears throat> he has a top eight. Is he a top eight running back for the remainder of the year? Um, I'll say no, because I'm pretty sure I could probably name eight running backs that I'd rather have over him. But I'd certainly think that he's in – he's RB1, whether it's top 10 or top 12. Um, I think he, he just finishes probably outside the top eight. Um, I think that – Mike Davis wasn't awful in the limited usage that they that right. they utilized him. Like he had nine carries for 44 yards. He had five receptions for 22 right. yards. Like he had as many touches as Cordero Patterson. Really, the big difference was that Patterson found the end zone. So I think that they could potentially use Patterson more as like a true wide receiver. Although I could very well be wrong. Arthur Smith seems <laughs> to have really uh, reignited Cordero Patterson's career. Um, and he obviously loves using him as a running back, wide receiver hybrid. Um, but, you know, like, I, it's it's not a knock on Patterson that I don't think he's top eight. I, I definitely think he's top 12. I was actually surprised when you asked if he was going to be top eight. Um, he's, still, he's a low-end RB1 for me. That's why I asked, because I think it's I think it's easy to to say, yeah, you know what, yeah. he's going to be a what, he's going to be a run, uh, RB1. But if he's currently RB8, I, I mean, you know, could he move up? Will he stay RB8? You know, so... Um, I think it's worth uh, mentioning. Now, two receivers going in opposite directions right now, Dan. Mm-hmm. One of which has back-to-back RB or wide receiver one finishes. Uh, 
One of them, the last two times he has played, has been wide receiver 73 and wide receiver 74. He missed one game in between. I want, do you believe that Michael Pittman is the good, obviously, who is currently listed at wide receiver 11, will continue to ascend up the ranks and finish to wide receiver one? And the bad, do you believe that Mike Williams, <laughs> who is now wide receiver 16 after wider being, you know, a top uh, 14 receiver four of his first five weeks, do you believe Mike Williams continues to descend down uh, and finish outside the wide receiver two uh, range? No, I actually think um, I think Pittman finishes as a high end wide receiver two, and I think Williams finishes probably right around where he's at right now as wide receiver sixteen. Um, I I know that times are a little tough with with Mike Williams. You know the uh, I mean the Chargers have played three straight competitive games. Actually, well, the loss to the Ravens was not very competitive. <laughs> not competitive. <laughs> um, um, and I, I will say that I do have a little bit of concern with Justin Herbert when he plays on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, just have not seen his absolute best, you know, whether it's, you know, his body clock is thrown off. It's just, you know, they barely beat Washington in Washington to kick off the season. Right. Um, you know, had a competitive game against the Chiefs, but that's not really on the East Coast. But then, you know, they got shellacked by the Ravens. They have to go to Philadelphia, which is a hostile environment this weekend. But but back to your original question, I still think Williams finishes as a wide receiver too. Pittman, though, is one that I think will continue to ascend, um, especially if T.Y. Hilton is gonna is forced to miss a little bit of time. I mean, Pittman and his connection with Carson Wentz right now is is it's it's pretty unreal. Like you know, it's, it's nice to see. Unreal. It's it's nice to see Wentz um, come back or, or I guess be fully healed from somehow spraining two ankles at once. Um, the offensive line, when it's healthy, is is one of the best in the league. I think Quentin Nelson goes down as the uh, as, as the best offensive line right. all, of all time when his career is over. So I think the chemistry and and these fantastic numbers that we're seeing between Wentz and Pittman, I think that is sustainable. I think it continues. Um, you have to start him wherever you own him. I'm fine starting Mike Williams uh, as a flex or even as your wide receiver too going forward. Um, I know it sucks right now, but he's he's too talented. And the Ravens have lost, or not the Ravens, the Chargers have lost two straight games. Uh, they can't afford to have him have you know continue to have poor performances while they're losing. Um, I'm I still like both of them. I love Pittman, and I'm I'm still uh, in favor of Mike Williams going forward. Yeah, I still I I just think I when it comes to Williams, <clears throat> the worry is we've seen this in you know spurts. He's been much, you know, oft injured through the beginning of his career. But the inconsistencies with Mike mm -hmm. Williams has been what's like kind of just been like, okay, you were a first round pick. You were in the top, what, he was picked fourth when he was drafted, whatever it was. It's like, um, hey, man, like the time is now. And you know what? It was. And now we're starting to get inconsistent play. Maybe he's still a little banged up. He did miss a week due to injury. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I do agree. I think both of them finish wide receiver twos. Um, but if T.Y. gets hurt again, man, which again, I get, he did, I guess again, but if T.Y. gets hurt again, look out Michael Pittman, look out healthy Carson Wentz, which is something we mentioned last week, right, Dan? We said that, hey, Carson Wentz could finish, could sneak into that QB1 territory. And right now, Carson Wentz, Dan, 
coming into Monday Night Football, QB twelve on the year. So, what was he this week? Was he QB eight? Because I know he was. He is currently um, per PFF. He's currently QB ten, which is oh, the Jesus. third. The third in four games, QB one finishes. So even if Daniel Jones and Patrick Mahomes finished QB1. Carson Wentz secured himself QB1 status. All right. Good stuff. As always, Grande, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Best of luck to you in week nine, and best of luck to the FA Nation.